Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge. And as we think about the promise of his presence, the, uh, there's a picture that came to my mind that I must share with you. It's a, just a pump up as we come through this season. But as we were in lo- uh, the COVID lockdown, I don't know if you felt this, but just the longing to be together, the importance of community, I felt that in a way that I've never felt that before and I began to pray a picture that, that was just so clear and that picture is starting to become reality and it's the picture of our back 40 that field out there full of little campfires and, and I picture them as like sometimes you think or when I see soldiers out on a battlefield you know um, like the Civil War and you see those campfire tents and and then band of bands of brothers and sororities of sisters gathered around and a couple or a couple weeks ago a discipleship group from our own church family a group of guys went up north to the uh, frigid frozen tundra of and I think this morning it's probably like minus 20 something but Ely or uh, this is near Ely Minnesota and uh, this is one of the pictures from their time and when I saw that I was like that's the picture I've been thinking about and praying for us that's becoming reality in our church family as small groups are coming back together bands of brothers bands of sisters are it's happening these guys the, the reality that they went up and spent a week together just encouraging each other in the Lord as they attempted to survive the uh the, the frozen tundra and what I picture is out back is all these different small groups within our church family gathering around fires, loving each other, but we're singing a song of praise. And I forgot to ask, did you guys sing when you were up there? Singing didn't happen, but, <laughs> but imagine the doxology just being sung in that tent as these guys are praising God. But, uh, you know, think about, and, and today as we gather, I, I just want to pause to say praise God for the community of faith that he's bringing together. And just that reality that, that our back 40 hasn't filled up like that with campfires, but it's happening in very real ways. And from this gathering to our uh, Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday night, coming in here and seeing our men's groups gathering around basketball and appreciate Josh and Kevin just uh, leading guys to Christ around the, the a game, you know? and supporting each other, Mike and the band of brothers there, and just helping each other in the, the fight of life. Last week, Rick and Kathy Baker gathering with their small group in Florida, on the beaches of Florida, and I think I'd take that over Minnesota, but, uh, <laughs> but they're coming back, but um, just a neat picture. I think about Becca Finley and a group of moms and young ladies just gathering as a small group this uh, last week, and, and just so excited to be together and be following Jesus together, we need each other, don't we? Jesus promised where two or three are gathered, I am there. And what a gift. Radically diverse people. I mean, what else would bring a group of us together? But it's Him, and what we have together is eternal. And what a gift He's given us. So if you are alone, and maybe you're, you've been isolated, or you're 
um, you don't have a church home or don't have a small group, we would love to help you connect. And one of the next steps for us that's coming up that's so important is our uh, step into membership, into a, a local church family. And the path is, we call this Connect 101. And it's happening in two weeks, February 28th, 1030. It's a four-week course and great way to meet new friends, but also learn about our church family. And, and we have that... Uh, empty chair we have a, a chair a spot that's open for you if you don't have a, a church family so I invite you to that well today we continue following Jesus the the theme here follow me that's the word of Jesus to us the simple call and as we follow him through Luke's account each week I, I hope um, the big prayer is that you would just grow in love and really worship him as we watch him live and understand his heart for us, and, and then the, the gift of being able to follow him. That simple call, I don't know if you felt this, but throughout this season, that's our theme this year, but you know when life gets confusing, and it gets heavy, and it gets uh, just hard, frustrating, and you know, we go, out into, we go out into your Monday to Saturday, and I know you have a thousand things pulling at your mind, but isn't it refreshing just to come back to that simple call where you hear Jesus just whisper over you, hey, just follow me. But I don't know what to do. Just follow me. Just follow me. My family's a mess, right? Just follow me. My job, I don't. Just follow me. What a gift. And so today we're going to follow him up out of that wilderness of temptation. And last week, if you were not with us, it was um, first step in his journey was to overcome the temptation that, that Adam failed. And it's an encouragement to us that we can win the fight, you guys. Um, he shows us it's by his power, but we can win that fight, whatever the, the battle is, the temptation that we're facing as we follow him. But today, he comes up out of that, that uh, wilderness, 40-day time in the wilderness of temptation, victorious, and then he, uh, he leads us into a, a place that, that honestly, it's, it raises an uncomfortable question or a troubling question. For me, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and share the question for you, and we'll let that be the backdrop as we, we walk through this text. But the question is this. How much social pressure does it take to get you to quit on what God's calling you to do? How much social pressure does it take to get you to go lukewarm on the good that God's calling you to do? How much social pressure does it take for you to, to shade the right and drift into the wrong? What's your break point when it comes to other people and, and what they think of you? Uh, that's that's the, the question as we, we follow Jesus into this first uh, his first steps in his ministry. So, We'll go ahead, it's Luke chapter 4, verses four. we'll start in verse 14, and follow him into this day of ministry. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, it's the area around the Sea of Galilee, in the power of the Spirit. So important phrase there, you may, might circle. He went into the wilderness led by the Spirit, now he's empowered by the Spirit to do something, and the news spread about him through the whole countryside, he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And you might circle the everyone there. 
Verses 14 and 15 are a summary section of this whole chapter 4 and really a summary of his ministry in this area of Galilee. The, uh, notice first, as I mentioned, the, in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is gonna, going to empower him to do something. And, and we're going to see that fleshed out. Notice also that he was teaching in their synagogues. So Josephus is a historian who was also a, um, a government official here in, actually in this area of Galilee. And he identifies 204 villages in this area, each or around 15,000 people. So when you do the math on that, that's about 3 million people in this area. So this is a pretty populated area. So where would the people go? When it says synagogue, what, what's he talking about here? All right. How many temples were there in Israel? How many temples? It's one temple. And what was the purpose of the temple? It's where you went to offer sacrifices. How many synagogues were there in the area of Israel? Well, the, the law was anytime you had 10 families, you started a synagogue. So you had a lot of synagogues. The temple's purpose was sacrifice. The synagogue's purpose was teaching. This is where, and there were basically three parts of a service. There was the welcome and the prayer. Then somebody would get up and read the word of God, the scripture. And then somebody would expound on that and give a message or a sermon on that. And so we see all, in, in a moment, we'll see all three of those going. But I think the emphasis right here Luke is giving us is we're feeling the joy of really a new thing happening in Israel. Like, Jesus is teaching in their synagogues. Not one synagogue. He's, he's going around, and he's the guy that doesn't just read the Scripture. He gives the message. And it says, everyone praised him. So, this is... There's a new thing in town, new guy teaching, and, and you want to be where he's teaching. So what are you doing this Saturday night? February, what is it, February 20th, 20th maybe, around there, 22nd, I don't know. What are you doing this Saturday? And I know some of you are thinking, hey, I got basketball here. We've got our uh, w, our church league playoffs, so no, but it's all right. We'll, we'll get that done in the morning. What are you doing Saturday at 5? There is a guy speaking at a, a synagogue up in Zionsville you got to hear. I, my focus has, I can fit four in it. Anybody want to go with me? I'm going. And so you're like, yeah, let's go. Good. All right. Let's go early. And thankfully, we go early. We show up. And good thing, because this place is packed out. They want to hear this guy speak. It's actually not Zionsville. It's Nazareth, which was Jesus' hometown, verse 16. It says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Isn't it interesting? Jesus went to church went to worship with God's people regularly. Can you imagine being God and putting up with our lame church services? <laughs> but he did so, and, and doesn't that encourage us to go to church? It's our habit. Number one habit of a Jesus follower, we say, is worship, and the habit is weekly gathering. We see Jesus doing that. Why do we do that? Because Jesus did it. So it was his custom, and so he stood up to read. So first part of the service, and, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and rolling it he found the place where it was written he's right and this is from Isaiah 61 it says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor 
the poor we know representing not just financial poor, but spiritually poor. It says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And we know he's not talking about just physical bondage, but spiritual bondage and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the the Jews hearing this knew he was speaking of the year of Jubilee, that year in Israel where every debt that you owed was canceled. Student loans, wiped clean. And there would be a debt that would be canceled. And we know that's the debt he would take, our sin debt, to the cross. But verse 20 says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now when we hear sat down, we think, He's done, right? But in this culture, when a teacher rabbi sat down, they were just getting started and uh, preparing to, to teach. So Luke says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fast, fastened on him. So a literary technique, just to remind us, it's dead quiet. What's he going to say about Isaiah 61? And you know when somebody says something and you can't get past the first, first word, perhaps like when you... Ladies, if you, when you're, uh, the guy says, will you marry me? And you pretty much, everything else he says after that is, disappears. This kind of what happens when he says this. Well, it's all Luke gives us of his sermon, but it's like all you needed to hear. Verse 21, he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The prophecy that Isaiah said that had a a contemporary fulfillment but also another future fulfillment is being fulfilled in Christ. He is the one who uh, this, this scripture is pointing to. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words. And it's literally words that were filled with God's favor. Meaning when he spoke, it's like God was speaking to you and did something in you that was good. Um, that came from his lips. But here's the, the key phrase. Isn't this Joseph's son? They said. Now, or they, they asked, what was it about his teaching that they loved? And I think it's safe to say he he's came proclaiming good news about the kingdom of God. And when you read Isaiah, that there's going to be good news for the poor and freedom and from bondage and all these things. And when he describes the kingdom of God, you just want to be in it. It's like, this is, this is good news. But there's a huge difference that we'll see play out here between following Jesus as a good teacher with some good news and following him as Lord or as king of our lives. And they had a massive blind spot that was keeping them from truly hearing what he was saying and following him as their Lord and as their King. And did you notice what it was? And Luke highlights it, not as much as Mark highlights it in Mark 6, but it's this little saying, isn't this Joseph's son? In Mark 6, we see they took offense at Jesus because he was one of them. He was ordinary, a hometown there. They could not hear the message of God and could not recognize Jesus because they had a blind spot. And... When, when he claimed to be the Messiah, what did they, what were they seeing? What, what, what kept them from accepting his message? He, he can't be the Messiah. He's Joseph's son. 
You know, I was thinking, quick side note, in my own journey, I like Jesus as a good teacher. The things he says, it, it works in life, you know? It just flat out does. But, but I don't like him as much when he exposes my blind spot. When he calls me out on my pride, on my greed, calls me to radical generosity. But when, he, uh, when I come to him about a conflict I've had with my wife, and he says, actually, John, it's you that's the problem. I don't. I, don't. I, I liked him when he talked about the joy and the peace and these things. I, I don't like him when he, he confronts me with a cross. But when he says, John, that excuse you used there was lame, and your commitment to me is actually pretty lukewarm. And, and you need to get on one side or the other, because right now, even your worship is tainted with pride and a desire for glory and self. I, I don't like that moment. <laughs> Does anybody else feel that? You know, there's something in me that... In fact, I, I almost just want to close his word and not really listen to him there. Isn't this Joseph's son? Now, if you're Jesus right now, just getting your ministry started, and you are in your hometown, all right? This is people you grew up with, you respect, you love. What do you do? You know they've got a blind spot. They're not really buying your, your message. But man, they're loving you. I mean, everyone, it says, everyone praised him, all thought well of him. You are basking in the sunlight of human approval and not any human. These are humans you know and, and respect and long for their respect. Social pressure. The praise of humans. What do you do? Well, I know what I do. <laughs> They'll get it eventually. I'm just going to move on to another town, but I'm definitely not rocking the boat here. This feels really good. Like, you know, human praise feels like a warm breeze after a cold winter, doesn't it? When rejection is so uh, around us. And man, I'm not rocking the boat, but our Lord loves them enough to rock the boat, to risk rejection, to reveal a blind spot in their thinking and in their lives as they thought of him. And watch what he does. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote to me the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. You say you're, you're a doctor, you say you can help, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard you do a couple towns over in Capernaum. Skepticism. You, you really you have the power to heal people. Let's see you do it here. 24, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. So he quotes a, a common day proverb to them. And then he, here he confronts their blind spot. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, God's people, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. What's he saying? God's people missed God's messenger, the prophet. They missed it and therefore they missed the blessing of God and you're about to do the same thing. 
was their blind spot. Verse, and then he goes on, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And remember that soldier had to dip there um, seven times. And what's he saying? Again, Israel failed to, to recognize God's prophet to them, and he's really calling them out on their own, the fact that they're doing the same thing to him. Wow. He flat out confronts the, uh, their blind spot. And, uh, but with love, you know, to help them see it's, it's me. And they have an opportunity to, to turn and understand and to see who he is. So what do they do? Verse 28 says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. And the law in that day was you would throw someone off a cliff and then stone them. So they're, they're ready to kill him. And what's scary about this is, do you notice who, who it is that's about to kill him? It's the good people in this culture. It's the church people. Blind spots are scary, aren't they? I think for us as well. Um, what happens next is one of those moments I wish we had on video because uh, God doesn't give us a lot of detail on how this played out, what this looked like. He leaves it for our imagination to imagine it. But verse 30, I, I picture that the Lord just flexes. And he was a carpenter. The main building material in that day was stone. And so he was hauling stone and uh, chipping stone and doing all this stuff. So I like to think he, he had like tank top on and, and he went just uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on him. But probably not. <laughs> but uh, well, watch what he does here. This is, he just says, he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You know, as I, I watch our Lord by the way, side note on this, Jesus doesn't need our protection. Sometimes I think we get all worked up. Ah, they're taking prayer out of the schools. Ah, Jesus, God needs our help. Does not need our help. <laughs> he, he, he does not need our help. We serve a God that is powerful. He's building his church today. And I, I just love, I admire our Lord as I watch him lead and as I think I'm following him. Guys, we're following him. And you know what? If you were following Jesus in this day and you got behind him and you're part of the crowd that you think we're going to get thrown off a cliff together, you're also part of the, you're also the one that now when that crowd parts like the Red Sea parts, you're walking with Jesus through social pressure. What I love is our Lord was unswayed by the social pressure of the day. And it didn't matter whether it was the warm sunshine of human praise and approval that our souls long for as social beings or the threat of rejection and even death. He didn't sway from the will of God, which was ultimately to, for your good and for my good, loving people, he walked right through it. And so the challenge of the day for us as we follow Jesus is this, follow me unswayed by social pressure. Follow me unswayed by social pressure. And so in this chapter, we'll, we don't have time to go through all the verses, but basically, summary of it, 
is that Jesus leaves this town and goes on to the other town to, to proclaim the good news of, of God's kingdom, but also to heal people. And he starts with people who are spiritually in bondage to demons, and he's throwing out demons and setting people free from demonic oppression. Then he goes to Peter's mother-in-law, which, uh, interesting how God works that out, you know, his... <laughs> helpful I'm sure for Peter as he will call Peter to follow him to uh his wife had to be good with that I'm sure and anyway Jesus heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law blesses her and then uh heals people till the sun sets sun comes back up and Jesus is nowhere to be found pick it up in verse 42 it says at daybreak Jesus went out to a solitary place the people were looking for him and when they found when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving so now he's back to praise people want him to be there but listen to what he says I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because this is why I was sent and he kept on preaching in all the synagogues of Judea follow me unswayed by social pressure so as we think about our own lives today we the immediate question is how and if if you're honest if I'm honest with myself I'm a, a social pressure wimp um, I like to think of myself as a nonconformist like yeah I people don't but reality is I, I bail easily or I feel it I feel that that pressure easily think about Peter before the cross you know when he was with Jesus I won't I'll die with you I'll die with you but it's a little girl at the campfire says hey aren't you one of his followers and they're around that circle social pressure he caves and I think man it might be one of the the most powerful forces on earth we can't see it but it's it's powerful isn't it people and we're, we're social beings how do we follow Jesus unswayed by social pressure and so if I could just unpack this challenge and with some clues in this text. And number one, the first, the two words, follow me. Think, um, how do we get through social pressure? Keeping our eyes on the one we're following and just locking in on him. Jesus had the audience of one, the Father, and he was just seeing him and how important it is. I think that daily meeting with our Lord. But also, I think it's encouraging in this context, even as we follow him in his word through Luke chapter four, there's just something about seeing him go Caring less about what any human thinks that fills us up with some courage. Do you feel that? I started feeling it this week. Like, yeah, my leader is number one. He can walk through a crowd. Nobody's going to throw him off a cliff until it's his time to go. But, uh, and I'm following him. Man, I'm going to have that kind of guts. Peyton Bickle, man, giving a devotion in our basketball league to a group of high school guys as a sophomore in high school, that's tough stuff. Man, but he did it, stood up, spoke the word of God. And I just think, man, Jesus, they're by you. And, and just seeing him, it's encouraging. Follow me, unswayed by social pressure. Um, that second part of the, the challenge here is it's just helpful to acknowledge there will be social pressure. Jesus warned us of this. You know, don't be ashamed uh, of me before people. And gave us the reward. If we're not ashamed before people, he won't be ashamed of us when we're in his presence before the angels and um, helpful just to acknowledge though that it's going to be a fight I'm human we're human we're going to struggle with this 
but it's a struggle that, that we can overcome and that we can walk through. Just acknowledging the struggle helps ready our souls for it, doesn't it? Just remembering this, I'm going to struggle when I go to work. If right here at church, I can be all big and bold, but tomorrow around the coffee pot, somebody's you know, making fun of a Christian. It's not going to be as easy, but uh, I can get ready for that. This doesn't mean, side note, that we're socially unaware or rude or inconsiderate or condescending to the people around us. In fact, as Christians, we're called to pursue a good reputation with those who aren't Christians, called to be blameless, to be winsome, to be gracious, to be known for doing good, and to be a, a uh, people that they would look, others would look at and want what we have. But the uh, third part of this, he says, follow, or the challenge is, follow me, unswayed by social pressure, spirit-empowered. Really important, at the start of this text, as Jesus moves into social pressure, what do we see? He is empowered by the Spirit of God. This is really our hope. What's the difference between Peter when he denied Christ and Peter when he stood up and preached Christ with boldness? What, what's the difference? Had the Holy Spirit. He saw the risen Lord, but even after seeing the risen Lord, Jesus said, don't go get busy with ministry until you've received empowering from on high. Acts 1.8. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he had the power and ultimately was crucified as well, but did not deny his Christ. That's our power as well, you guys. It's our power as well. Our Friday morning Bible study, one of our guys uh, is from Burma. And my, my, right now we're praying for that country as the military coup, and his parents are still there. We're praying for him. But he was sharing that in a very real way, he had to decide, when someone puts a gun to my head, and that, that happens in that country, and happens in much of the world and makes me deny Christ or die, what, do I, what will I do? And it's a scary thought, but uh, what a comfort to know. We have the empowering of, of the Holy Spirit. And I just love that picture of they're dragging him out to that hill to throw him overboard, over the hill, and to die, but Jesus walks through. And it's a reminder, this little phrase, I am immortal until my work on earth is done. Now, if Jesus, Stephen's work on earth was done, and so he took the stones, and it was his way out. And that may be our calling as well. But Jesus' work wasn't done, and so he walked through the crowd. And just love this picture. There is, we can have confidence. Follow me, unswayed by the, power, by the social pressure, spirit-empowered. And then the last part of this, to proclaim the good news to hurting people. Why does Jesus carry on? Walk through that social pressure. It's because he was here to help poor, blind, people in bondage, people broken and hurting. And you know, the theme of Luke, and it's interesting, Luke being a doctor, but was uh, the theme is, some scholars feel the theme verse is Luke 19, 11, which is the story of Zacchaeus. But they're like, hey, why are you having dinner at Zacchaeus's house? And Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And next week we'll pick up this theme, really the, the heartbeat of, of Luke, but it's our Lord coming for hurting people, to bring good news to hurting people, people who are sinful, broken, but ultimately the gospel, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Messiah, the one who will die on the cross for us and offers eternal life to everyone who believes, eternal life being a relationship with 
our Heavenly Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And say, why should we walk through social pressure unassuaged? Same reason. He's given us the the ministry of of reconciliation, of taking the good news of Jesus to to people, hurting people who need it. I think the the devil would have us cower, would have us slow, would have us go quiet, would have us just bask in the sunlight of human approval or fear rejection rather than being bold and uh, pointing to Christ at every opportunity that we have an opportunity. I was on Sabbath, Monday is Sabbath, Maria was... One of the uh, joys of that is to go hoop it up at Bostick Gym, where I grew up playing middle school basketball and just go shoot around and shoot, pray, and get my soul ready for another week. And, but this past week, or two weeks ago, there were a group, couple guys in there hooping as well. And I got to have a really fun conversation with them, learning about their occupations and whatever. And they eventually asked me about mine. And so I was like, yeah, pastor. And they're like, oh, you have to public speak. I would not want to do that in a million years. And they're like, do you get nervous? I said, yeah, I get nervous. But the one advice that my dad gave me as a high school student I've never forgotten, and honestly, it's the best advice. I share this with young people who have to go through speech class, and uh, this, is, this is key. This will get you through high school speech. You know the secret to just not caring what people think? Care about them. So... Dad said, if, if you understand, it's not about you. It's about bringing a message that these people desperately need, and you just stay focused on loving people and getting that message to them, you'll eventually forget about yourself. It'll be okay even being a fool. But what you care about is them getting the message. And that's the truth. There's still a little nervousness, but, man, how do we get through social pressure? Stay focused. We've been sent by God with the message of hope that, man, If somebody gets this, it changes their eternity. It will transform their family. It'll give them peace and joy and hope. And yes, it comes with a cross, but it's a cross worth carrying for the one who loves us. Amen? And so one of the great threats as we follow Jesus is that we're wired for human approval. And who doesn't like being liked? And who doesn't dislike being booed or embarrassed or rejected or being an outcast? We're social creatures that gravitate toward affirmation. But as we follow Jesus, it's pretty clear right here at the start, there's going to be praise coming that will tempt us to, to go quiet on a hard message, to go quiet on speaking truth when we need to speak truth to somebody who is not seeing it or headed down the wrong path or even saying, no, it's Jesus is the only way. Or of uh, being tempted to be rejected how do you stay faithful to him and his calling when you're facing the very real threat of rejection and the challenge for us today is simply this follow me unswayed by social pressure empowered to proclaim the good news to hurting people so i thought it'd be appropriate today if we just close our time of worship giving you an opportunity to pray and we'll have matt steward come and He'll uh, close our time in corporate prayer. But just encourage you now to maybe, um, as you think through this text, maybe open with a time of just seeking God's forgiveness for the times that you have swayed. But then just fixing your eyes on him and asking him for the grace to live unswayed by social pressure.
as you follow him. And so let's go to prayer. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.